Hello, everyone, and welcome to KZMU's 2021 Candidate Roundtable. I'm Sarah Mead, Station Manager at KZMU. First, want to give out some thank yous that are in order. Thank you to Grand County League of Women Voters for sponsoring this event and also for partnering with KZMU on other educational events that we had during recent unusual times. Uh, we'd also like to thank the Moab Arts and Recreation Center for hosting this event. This is a uh, live broadcast happening from downtown at the Moab Arts and Recreation Center. KZMU is committed to the safety of our staff, listeners, and participants of tonight's event, so we're following COVID safety protocols. Uh, we are proud to present this event in alignment with our mission, which is to inform, educate, engage, entertain, and connect the communities of Southeastern Utah. I also wanna say uh, today on Indigenous Peoples Day, we acknowledge this land as Ute territory. KZMU is committed to honoring and lifting up the indigenous history of this place, as well as the voices and stories of all native people living here today. We encourage our listeners to learn and take action to support indigenous organizations and individuals in our community. With that, I'm gonna pass it off to our, K our news and public affairs director, Molly Marcello, hosting tonight's event. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, volunteers, and especially thank you, candidates, for being here with us. There are five people before me now running for two open seats on the Moab City Council. That means two of these candidates will be the next decision makers for Moab City. And it's up to you listeners and voters to decide who will best represent you for the next four years. Um, we're going to start off with some rapid fire introductions from the candidates. Um, candidates have been asked to give their name and quickly list three top issues they are most interested in addressing if they are elected to the city council. Candidates, feel free to approach the mics in any order. Anyone want to go first? Luke. Okay. Thank you. Hi, my name is Luke Wojciechowski, and I'm running for city council in hopes to address affordable housing, community representation, and quality of life in Moab. My name is Jason Taylor, and um, the three things that I'm really interested in addressing, if elected, would be infrastructure for the town of Moab, you know, getting back to taking care of the people who live here and the infrastructures here, affordable housing, and I'd also like to address um, the, the noise issues that, that we've been facing as a as citizens of Moab. My name is Mike McCurdy. Uh, my main reasons for running are, uh, as, uh, as everyone, affordable housing, uh, budgeting and taxation, and economic st uh, sustainability in the nearest future. Hey Moab, uh, my name is Josie Kovash. I'm running for city council. Uh, like a lot of the other candidates, my top issues are housing and economic diversification, uh, maintaining a high quality of life for the people who live here and effectively managing tourism to do so, uh, and also sustainability and climate resiliency. Thank you. Hi, my name is Anthony Charles. Um, my three main ideas are for universal basic income, which will extremely help the housing issues. Um, trying to, my other one is trying to cool the valley off by planting trees and repainting the roads into a tan color to reflect some of the heat. And the UTV uh, issues <laughs> Thank you so much, candidates, for those brief introductions. Um, I'm going to take a minute to explain how tonight's event will work. First off, KZMU and the League of Women Voters have drafted general questions that will be posed to all candidates. 
Once we're through with those, our media partners at the Times Independent and the Moab Sun News will be asking individualized questions of each candidate based on statements that candidate has made to the paper. And if we have time, we will ask a general listener submitted question to all candidates. I believe we will have time. So candidates will be under time limits when answering each question. Um, our amazing timekeeper, Alice Drogan, is here um, from the Grand County League of Women Voters. Thank you so much, Alice. Candidates will have 90 seconds to respond to each question. When they have 15 seconds remaining, Alice will hold up a sign that reads 15 seconds. Uh, when they've reached their time, she may ring a little bell. There we go. This means the candidate needs to finish their sentence and uh, leave uh, the microphone. Uh, we do ask our small live audience to keep a respectful silence after each candidate speaks, reserving their applause until the end of the event. Uh, we are here to participate in an important exercise in democracy, and we, train, and we aim to treat everyone in this space with fairness and equity. Uh, candidates will be answering questions in rotating alphabetical order, so without further ado, uh, let's start this. Anthony Charles, you are up first. Josie Kovash, uh, you are on deck. All right, this summer, after much public outcry, the current city council chose not to raise the property tax rate from zero. But one of the big reasons the new property tax was considered in the first place was the estimated tens of millions of dollars in deferred capital projects affecting public infrastructure. Although the property tax rate discussion at least might have gone away for now, the need for capital projects, among other pressing issues, has not. Um, you've likely familiarized yourselves with the city budget. Um, are you open to a new property tax rate in the future? If so, why? If not, why not? And how is Moab going to pay for its needs, including deferred maintenance? Well, the property tax should be a yes, but it has to be done correctly. Um, just getting a revenue source going, um, I have some ideas of with the UTV stuff to make that revenue for the city and it'll be, I can see it'd be millions of dollars coming in directly to the city. Um, with the stuff that's being built, um, I think they need to be held to a little bit higher of a standard because they're just telling us what to do the whole time. So they need to be the ones that are showing, you know, what needs to be, how they need to react to it. Um, yeah, I, that's, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Anthony. You're welcome. Josie, you're up next. And candidates, if you want me to repeat any portion of the question while you're at the microphone, please let me know. Um, I might have the whole question. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, one of the biggest reasons a new property tax was considered um, by the current city council was the estimated tens of millions of dollars in deferred capital projects that affect public infrastructure. Um, the property tax rate discussion is sort of tabled, but it could come back um, if you're elected to the city council. Um, are you open to a new property tax rate in the future? If so, why? If not, why not? And how would Moab pay for its needs, including deferred maintenance? Thanks, Molly. Um, I agree a bit with Anthony that uh, I don't think the property tax issue will go away completely. Um, but what we heard loud and clear from residents is that they don't want to have the entire economic burden 
of the impacts of tourism um, on their wallets. Uh, and I think that's important to address. So I think as the city moves forward in thinking about a property tax in the future, um, that there would need to be mechanisms built in to ensure that um, those that are on uh, a budget um, are not significantly impacted by something as a property tax. Um, and as that as much as possible, a property tax is predominantly affecting um, second homeowners and people that actually have the means to pay into that. Um, so that being said, as far as the budget and the obvious expenses that need to be part of that, um, I've worked for a lot of nonprofits in this community, including this, this one, and uh, you just have to get really creative about ways to generate revenue. Um, I think grants uh, are something that can continue to be a robust source of revenue for the city. Um, there's obviously things coming down federally around specifically things uh, like green infrastructure. Um, and I think in spending money in Moab, we need to stack necessities uh, with visionary things. Uh, so for instance, in uh, fixing our ailing infrastructure, we also make sure that it's a green infrastructure moving forward. Thank you, Josie. Up next is Mike. Mike, same thing. If you need me to repeat any part of the question, let me know. You're okay. You can abbreviate if you'd like, but I would like a reread. <laughs> okay. So this is about property tax rates. Uh, the current city council chose not to raise the property tax rate from zero. Um, things like deferred capital projects affecting public infrastructure have not gone away, even though the discussion around property tax rate might have gone away for now. Are you open to a new property tax rate in the future? If so, why? If not, why not? And how will Moab pay for its needs, uh, including deferred maintenance? Um, from a standpoint, I am completely not open to uh, raising the property taxes that we currently have. Um, there are different ways of uh, finding those revenue sources. Uh, those revenue sources uh, are, I mean, our main revenue source is tourism, and that's the main uh, direction I would like to push uh, to, def uh, to finance uh, all of the deferred, uh, I mean, infrastructure becoming number one of them. Uh, we're not the only ones living here that use the infrastructure. Uh, we shouldn't be the only ones paying for them. Uh, that's my feel on that. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Jason, you're up. Same question, huh? <laughs> 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 um, I, I think that in the end, when this is all said and done, there may be a need for a tax. But I think that we need to look at every viable option besides saying we're going to do it. And I think that we need to tax according to what we need, not according to what our wants, you know, or desires are. We need to come up with a budget list. And I think one of the reasons why it failed to begin with is because they didn't have a firm idea of what they wanted it for. And, um, and one of the things that I saw was that over the years, they've seen, we've been seeing about a five to seven to eight percent um, increase in tax revenue profits. And we budgeted for that. You know, we put that into the general fund and we've spent it before we've gotten it. And we've got, you know, we, we're, we're hoping that next year we get this money and, and why so we've, you know, we budget for it. What I would like to do and one of the things that I would propose is that you don't, you don't count on that money. You know, that we budget according to what, what came in that year. And if we, if we get a 5%, if we give them a 7%, that that money is earmarked for infrastructure. So that money is earmarked to take care of the, of the failing infrastructures that we have in the city. And then at that time we can say, hey, we need a million dollars to finish this water project or we need sidewalks. But I don't think that 
we should be um, we should not be funding um, tourism based expenses and this that includes law enforcement um, you know and, and um, things like that you know that so that's where I stand on that okay thank you Jason Luke you're up yeah I think this is a great question um, I personally believe that uh, like I understand that the property tax is coming from the city trying to be fiscally responsible I believe that at first the city really needs to prove that it can be fiscally responsible. Um, I know that we've maxed out most of our sales tax revenue. I think there's one tax that they're looking into to see if we can still increase a little bit. Uh, but I think that we can potentially increase our revenue through increased code enforcement efforts and as uh, Josie had mentioned, is through grants. Uh, many federal grants require a match, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that it has to come in the form of cash. I think we can really leverage uh, Moab's uh, community of volunteerism as that's one of the allowable in-kind matches uh, to help us get funds into uh, addressing a lot of the uh, long-standing like infrastructure projects that have been put off. I, I honestly also think that we need to focus some of our time upstate and get them to allow us to keep more of the revenues gotten from the almost half a billion dollars in taxable sales that come through here every single year. Uh, we can't be afraid to push back against the state as their desire to extract more revenues is coming at the cost of our community right now. Thank you, candidates. Uh, this next question, uh, we'll go to Josie Kovash first with Mike McCurdy on deck. So one of the uh, biggest departments at City Hall is the Moab City Police. This department has been in the national, state, and local spotlight recently for various reasons. Um, right now, an outside law enforcement agency is investigating the Moab PD's response to an August call about possible domestic violence. Days after this investigation was announced, uh, Moab City confirmed that the police chief was taking a leave of absence. And our 7th District Court judge recently stated that the misuse of body cameras is a, quote, institutional problem at the Moab City Police Department. Meanwhile, earlier this year, the city council was asked to find more money for the police department, mainly to hire more officers. This was one of the reasons the current council at one point considered raising the property tax. Moab's chief of police has repeatedly said that his department is overburdened. We'd like to know if you've been following these varied issues. Do you have any concerns about the police department? If so, what are they? If elected to the city council, how will you be approaching the Moab City Police Department and why? All right, thanks Molly. Um, yeah, it's our, our city police force has been in the news a lot lately um, and it does kind of stack up to look uh, like some sort of pattern. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a condemning pattern, but it's a pattern of something not quite working. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a, of a couple of minds. Um, I think that we need to both, you know, support and scrutinize our police force um, and those need to go hand in hand and resources and training should match our expectations and vice versa. Um, you know, I think training should include a lot of both soft skills and hard skills because a lot of times those gaps are around um, dealing with people and especially different um, mar margins of people. Um, and so that's really important, um, especially with the potential for people of certain subgroups being mistreated because it's really, really absolutely essential that all people have trust in their police departments. Um, so I've 
personally had some really great interactions as of late with some people on our police force. I think I've lived here long enough to see a general trend in a positive direction. And so my optimism is that there will continue to be uh, a re relationship with the city police department um, on giving them the tools and resources and also expecting that those things will happen. Thank you, Josie. Mike, uh, you are up next. I actually don't need to reread on this one. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, my views on the current uh, police uh, concerns. Uh, there have been many concerns, uh, but for me to say anything on the subject is an outsider looking in. Um, I cannot right now without knowing all the facts and uh, I mean, most of us in this room, I don't think know every fact that went into uh, our current concerns with it. Uh, so everything would just be a simple opinion. It should be made, uh, based off of facts. Um, there is a concern, uh, a deep concern that we should be able to uh, take care of and we should have actually years ago. Uh, we don't have enough police uh, men or police persons uh, on the force. I really think we're down to about five right now and it simply comes down to housing and getting them into town. Um, we should be able to fix these issues uh, and get more, uh, be it hard and soft uh, sides. Uh, we really don't have the people right now and that's my biggest concern going into this. So. Thank you, Mike. Jason? You know, I, I spent 12 years running for Grand County EMS. Um, I spent many, many hours working with Moab Police Department, with Grand County Sheriff's Office, the National Park Service. These guys have hard jobs. You know, I've watched these guys put their arms around people when a loved one is, is deceased in a car. You know, I've watched these guys do a lot of really hard things. I think it's unfair, and I think that, yeah, there's probably room for improvement. There's probably room for growing. You know, to, to what, what, the, what the judge said is something that needs to look at. As far as the investigation goes, um, I think that that's something that I, I can't really comment on, that I shouldn't comment on until the investigation's finished and they come out with it, you know, because what I know is probably the same thing that, that, that we've seen on the news and, and, and I don't know the answer to it. Um, I agree that we do have um, a force that's probably not as where as it should be. It's not as big as it should be. And I think one of those is, issues is budgets, you know. We're, we're asking these guys to do a lot of stuff for not much pay. We're asking them to work hard hours for not much pay. We're asking them to carry an emotional burden for not much pay. And yeah, there's, there's always ways that we can um, support, you know, we need to support these guys and there's ways that they can get better. And, um, and I would be committed to working and doing what's needed to be done to, to fix it, you know, to help with it. You know, I think I wanna be a part of the solution. And all right. Thank you, Jason. Luke, you're up next. Yeah, I think it's important to understand and recognize that the police play a vital and important role in helping address many of the serious issues that plague our community, including domestic violence and assault, uh, but also a lot more of the day-to-day -day stuff uh, like code enforcement. Um, I think it's also important to acknowledge, as some of the other candidates have, that there are numerous factors that really complicate the jobs of these officers, uh, ranging from being understaffed to being overrun from, by tourists from all over the world. Um, and I think it is important that we show support to our officers who are trying to support our community on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we very frequently are only ever made aware of uh, the issues that arise, but not the day-to-day -day, uh, kind of 
acts of kindness that Jason had alluded to. However, with that said, I also do firmly believe that any individuals in our community that find themselves in any elevated positions of community trust, um, and this includes law enforcement, need to hold themselves to be held to a higher standard. And I honestly believe that there's always room for improvement. Um, but with that, uh, I was Seek Haven's representative on the police's use of force policy review group. And during that process, I saw a lot of willingness to receive feedback. I am seeing that the police department is actively trying to engage in with local community organizations to see how they can better handle future situations. And I'm hopeful that with all of that, that the city and the police department can be up to the challenge of greater accountability moving forward. Thank you, Luke. Um, Anthony, you're up next. All right, so living here my whole life, I will say the police force has gotten drastically better. Um, I feel like the reason why we are so low staffed on all of this is because the state keeps taking all of our money and thinking they know what's right and they have no, they have zero idea what's going on down here. I sent a video to one of the senators and I, I titled it as, uh, what law do you see as being broken? And he messaged me back said, oh, I think your parking enforcement needs to do something about that. So I messaged back like, have you ever been to Moab? Do you even know that there, there is zero parking anything here? And I just think it's the state needs to back off. They are overburdening, overburdening, there we go. And they, they, just, they, they keep taking and fixing everything else but uh, our community. They're expecting us to give all the money to them and we're getting pretty much nothing in return. A little bit, but not, I mean, that's like taking a corner of the cracker and going, that, that's enough. So it's, there's things that the state needs to realize that they are doing something very wrong. And we should be able to control some of that better than they can. So, right, thanks. Thank you, candidates. Um, this next question, we're moving right through it here. It's going to be shorter than my long preambles. Um, so over the past year, oh, I should say this goes to Mike first, um, and Jason, uh, you're on deck. Uh, over the past year, our community had many discussions about noisy vehicles, um, including but not limited to ATVs and UTVs. Um, what is your opinion about the steps the city has taken so far to address noise? And what, if anything different or additional, would you advocate for during your term? You know, I don't have the answers for everything. And it comes down to, I really do know people and uh, experts in the, uh, in the field. Uh, we should actually, for this question, honestly have uh, Mr. Friedman from USU come up. He is the one doing the studies uh, to see where the noise is coming from the most uh, and direct resources at that. Um, it would be simple just to have more open discussions uh, with people who actually are subject matter experts. And we should be having these open discussions, I mean, consistently in future planning. Um, I'm not completely 100% behind with uh, current policies uh, that have been put in place. But uh, noise has been reduced uh, around my house in just as a citizen of uh, the city. Um, and I'd like to explore that further, but I would reach out to subject matter experts on that. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mike. Jason? This is something I've been trying to learn a lot about. Um, and because I, I hear it at my house, you know, I, my wife and I joke around that we can sit in our front yard and we can listen to UTVs come off of Sand Flats Road. 
we can go in our backyards and we can listen to semis with their engine brakes coming into town, you know? So, so it's an issue. I get it, you know? And, um, Moab's a unique place. You know, we're, Moab is located, it's kind of this, this hub, and you can get to doing anything really quickly. You can be mountain biking, hiking, um, you know, doing a lot of different activities super fast out of this hub. And one of those activities is riding UTVs and, um, and going out. And the way that Moab is located, the way that Sand Flats, which is probably the most popular 4x4 trail, I would, I would reckon, in the Western United States, you know. And it's literally, it's, it's, it's one mile from Anthony's house. It's 1.5 miles um, from my house, you know. I hear it all the time. It's an issue. It needs to be fixed. In the last six months, I counted up the stats. There's been 20,000 UTVs that have gone through Sand Flats in the last six months, according to, to the website. We need to figure out the noise. And I think we've, we've come up with some good ideas. I am, I am pro-business. I'm very pro-business. But I, I think we need to figure out. We came up with ideas to fix the noise. But are we implementing those, those ideas? Are we enforcing the decibel limits? Are we enforcing the speed limits? I don't know that we are. I know I haven't seen it from where I live. And I feel like this is a huge injustice by not doing that. Thank you, Jason. Luke. Um, yeah, so I think this is another one of those situations where the state is really preventing us from being able to implement simple common sense solutions at the expense of our community. Um, we're left with very little ability to regulate noise in town. And although I'm definitely uncomfortable with anything that seems to target local businesses, particularly since I believe that they have the greatest incentive to be better stewards of our public lands, particularly relative to private UTV owners, um, I also need to be mindful that as a council member, I would have a responsibility to represent the interests of the community at large and the rest of the business community as well. I've been talking to a lot of people in other business or another tourist oriented businesses, and they've been hearing from their customers that uh, the UTVs kind of running amok are having a negative impact on their experience in Moab and is making them less likely and willing to want to come back to our community. Um, I've also heard how profound of an effect UTVs have on the lives of so many of our residents. Um, and I kind of get reminded that one of the hallmarks of the character of rural communities is quiet. And that's something that that's absolutely getting in the way of. And so, although at the end of the day, I don't want to be anti-UTV business, I do want to be pro-community and pro-other business. Okay. Thank you, Luke. Anthony, you're up next. And candidates, I can repeat a question if you need it. <laughs> so I feel like I've been super loud about this, and I feel like I have to be louder than them. And um, you said there was 20,000 that went up? in a month no, or since uh, April since April okay so that means I had to listen to it 40,000 times so every time they drive by I start to get dizzy because of the frequency that the UTV's centrifugal clutch makes and nobody wants to take me seriously on that that's why I'm running for this because this terrorism has to end the UTV vehicle is a terrorist vehicle by nature they don't care I have had to ask so many people to get off the, the sidewalks. This is a sidewalk, not a side parking for UTVs. And then they just flip me off and punch it and drive down a little further and get back on the sidewalk. And part, like blocking people into driveways, like this crap has to stop. So what I came up with, we opt out and then we make our own rules. And we push all of them to Main Street since we got this brand new giant highway 
out on the river road next to Goose Island, there's that big culvert that you drive, you know, drive up and then you drop into Goose Island. Right there's the new entrance to Hell's Revenge and Sand Flats. We put a $25 three-day pass thing on there and there's a gigantic monstrous revenue. Let's say it takes five or $10 to maintenance the road. The other 15 goes to nonprofits every month, a different nonprofit, and then even to the hospital to help alleviate hospital bills. So thank you. Thank you, Anthony. And Josie, uh, you're up. Thanks, Molly. I think just for the listeners and a little bit for me, I'd love to just hear the question sure, one more time. Let's do it. Um, over the past year, our community had many discussions about noisy vehicles, including but not limited to ATVs and UTVs. What is your opinion about the steps the city has taken so far to address noise? And what, if anything different or additional, would you advocate for during your term? Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been quite vocal on this issue as well. And I honestly don't think there is a lot of room for debate within people who actually live in Moab. Um, I've talked to a lot of people uh, in campaigning and you know, with all the other issues that we're facing, I still think this is one of the ones that comes up the most just because it's affecting people so immediately and so severely. Um, I do think that we have to not be afraid to take really big steps um, in this and to take all steps. You know, the reality is that we live in a state that um, has severely limited our ability to autonomously deal with this um, and to not exercise every single thing available to us because if we were allowed by the state uh, to just self-regulate as all other states in the union who have street legal UTVs are allowed to do, um, then there would be no issue. But because there is, then we have to exercise everything that's in our toolkit. I think what the city has done is a good, a good start. I think what the county has done is uh, an even better start. Um, and I do think that using um, business licensing, land use code, um, those kinds of tools available to us, we can make a big difference that way with rentals. Um, I do think it is not anti-business to do so um, because as many candidates have said, all of our other businesses are going to leave if this issue goes um, unmet. And ultimately it's a public health issue because noise is a public health issue. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Josie, and thank you so much, candidates. If you're just tuning in, this is KZUMU's 2021 Candidate Roundtable supported by the Grand County League of Women Voters. We are with the five candidates running for two open seats on the Moab City Council. I'm Molly Marcello, News and Public Affairs Director at KZUMU. We are now going to open the floor to our media partners, uh, the Moab Sun News and the Times Independent. They will be posing different questions to each candidate on the same topic. The questions here have been tailored to each candidate based on previous statements that candidate has made to their paper. Uh, representing the Times Independent is reporter Carter Poppy. The topic is housing. Uh, we're going to start with Jason Taylor. Candidate Luke Wojciechowski is on deck, and I pass the mic to Carter. Thank you, Molly. Uh, so Jason, you said in response to our questions a few months ago now about housing, uh, quote, changes in uh, such things like density could have a negative impact on the current residents and they need to have a voice. Reform of city zoning in the future may be limited to future undeveloped parcels while working with developers, end quote. 
Urban sprawl tends to have negative impacts on residents by increasing living costs and harming the environment. Why, in your view, is it so important to listen to the people opposing higher density housing in their neighborhoods when higher densities would create additional housing opportunities and likely reduce costs? You want me to keep this to 100 words? Because <laughs> 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 it's almost been impossible. <laughs> You know, I think that there's a lot of people who have lived in Moab for a long time. There's a lot of people who, who have, their, their, have developed this quality of life, and I think that they need, to have a, they need to have a voice in what happens to their community. That as we um, increase higher density, that maybe there's areas in Moab where that higher density works, but maybe there's not areas, maybe there are areas where it's just not going to work. And where people, you know, you, you brought up... Um, NIMBY a lot, you know, and I think that we need to balance NIMBY with the needs of the people and stuff. I am against, um, or I think that there should be a voice of the people when we're talking about things like, um, like changing zoning for um, people to put camp trailers on their personal property or put camp trailers with people living in them in front of their houses when most of Moab doesn't have sidewalks, you know, and now you have camp trailers parked on, on, si on the roads where people, where little kids walking to school, they can't walk to school on a sidewalk, um, and they have to walk out in the middle of the road because there's, because there's maybe a camp trailer with people living in it is what one of the zoning issue, or one of the zoning suggestions that was put out a couple months ago. So I think that just we just can't do this stuff blindly with the planning commission and whoever thing. We need to talk to the neighbors. We need to talk to people, and they need to have a voice in what happens in their neighborhoods because this is something that's going to affect the, the town and these neighborhoods for um, for years to come. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Luke, so you said in response to that same set of questions about housing, quote, we know that the free market is not going to solve our housing problems, no matter how many new units get built, end quote. Uh, but there's research on this that directly contradicts your claim. As one of many examples, a 2002 paper out of the Harvard Institute of Economic Research concludes that high housing costs in places with overwhelmingly democratic governance uh, capital D, at the local level has more to do with zoning than conventional free market models. So what evidence do you have that enabling more housing construction won't solve our problems? Um, I think that's a great question. Uh, I guess I'm trying to say that solely building is not going to get us out of this situation. All we have to do is look around all of the other resort communities out west and supply and demand curves do not work if demand is insatiable, which is what we're seeing in every single resort community that is experiencing a similar housing crisis such as ours. We do not have a local housing market because whenever a house goes up on sale, we have to compete at a national if not international level. And so we can't compete. Um, and so I think it's incumbent to update our outdated zoning code to uh, be able to focus more on meeting the needs of the community and recognizing the fact that Moab doesn't necessarily operate on regular market uh, factors. All we have to do is look back to the housing or to the crisis of 2008 where housing uh, prices plummeted all around the country, whereas Moab's dipped a little bit. We don't play by the same rules out here, and so we have to respond to these situations differently than uh, typical logic would suggest. So. Okay, thanks, Luke. Anthony, uh, so you said in response to pretty much every question we've asked that a universal basic income is the way to solve most of Moab's problems, including housing. 
Uh, that's an extremely ambitious plan that could end up being closely scrutinized or even preempted by the Utah legislature, attorney general, or and the governor. Uh, convince me and the audience that you have a legally and politically feasible plan to convert this talk into action. Well, Alaska does it, and they're pretty much a Republican state, so why can't our Republican state do the same thing? They go off oil, we'll go off tor tourism, of course. Um, the uh, transit tax that we just did could very easily be redone. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but it could be redone, and then that's where the universal basic income would come from, is out of rewriting that tax to better suit the community for, you know, making it to where it goes into a fund that Moab, the city, controls, and then let that sit in the fund for a year so we know where the tax rate could be set at, and then we can adjust it, you know, throughout the time. And uh, at the end of that year, anywhere from five to $750 would be mailed out to every year-round local. Um, and like I said, it's just gonna have to be a rewrite of the tax since we're all, we're capped out basically on what we can do with taxes, says the state. But again, it's just the state doesn't understand what's actually happening down here. And they just need to realize it. And that's one of the ways that I think they'll once they start hearing it, they'll start realizing there's, there has to be a change. They can't keep doing the way they're doing. Thanks. Okay, thanks Anthony. Uh, Josie, so you advocated in response to our questions about housing, uh, quote, finding solutions on common ground that reinforce rather than undermine what people love about their neighborhoods, end quote. Uh, for some people, the thing that they love about their neighborhood is the way it exists today. In other words, they do not love the prospect of it changing. How are you going to balance the interests of people, the interests that people have in the status quo with the need to change zoning in existing neighborhoods to promote affordability and higher densities? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think similar to the pushback on the property tax, um, the pushback on higher density housing uh, in Moab is something to be learned from, uh, something to pivot from. Uh, I was surprised at the time being a resident of the R2 uh, neighborhood where a lot of that pushback came from, um, that that was a thing because I thought everybody's for housing. Um, we clearly need our workforce to be housed and we need our goods and services to be uh, surviving in our community for all of us to be thriving. Um, so I think there's a balance because uh, there are obvious templates that work. Um, like Luke said, we're, we're not the only ones in this situation. And, um, and I think that's the good news is that so many other people are in the same situation. So we have a huge brain trust to draw ideas from. Um, and also I think some of the larger issues like economic inequality that are affecting this issue are gonna start to happen uh, on a much broader level, both regionally and uh, nationally. But back to the local side of things, I think people are realizing how crucial it is um, to find housing solutions. And I do believe that if we have the right conversations and really make sure that those things happen as conversations between the city and the public, um, that we can workshop ideas instead of bringing them to a point where it's just yay or nay. Um, and I think we can do that moving forward. Thanks, Jesse. And Mike, uh, you said that a good place to start with zoning reform when we asked about it is 
quote, newer areas outside of fully developed original neighborhoods, end quote. You also said, quote, apartments are what Moab needs and there are plenty of great locations for apartments that wouldn't cause a rift with existing neighborhoods, end quote. Why should the city council choose where apartments go? Why is that not a decision for home builders and the people buying the property where they hope to make a home? Why are apartments a good idea? We're gonna break that down a little bit. Apartments are a good idea. Well, why, why, is, uh, why should the city council choose rather than the home builders? Uh, city council is the direct effect of zoning and or deed restrictions on city land that's already owned, AKA Walnut Lane and the surrounding area. Uh, they, they're the direct, uh, the buck stops there uh, with the zoning restrictions that can be made or the deed restrictions that can be made on already owned properties within the city. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was easy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carter, in the Times Independent. Um, up next, uh, our next series of questions is Allison Hartford, staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Allison will now be asking questions uh, based on the Sun's election coverage. Um, her questions um, have also been tailored to each candidate based on previous statements they have made to the Moab Sun News. Um, Allison's topic is how to fund projects candidates are passionate about. Um, so funding is key here. Uh, we're gonna start with candidate Luke Wojciechowski. Uh, Kennedy and Anthony Charles uh, will be up next. Um, Luke, you've mentioned that you care about, quote, smart future planning for land, water, and resources, unquote. How will you work with the rest of the city council to secure funding for the sustainability department while also funding and integrating sustainability into other departments, such as planning and zoning. Um, yeah, kind of going to be repeating myself here, but coming from the land of nonprofits, um, I, do, I am aware that there is a lot of money out there um, that is available. And so I'd really push for the city to uh, implement a grant manager uh, that can actually look out and try to identify grant and funding sources. Um, I think there's a lot of private foundations out there that are very much pushing, trying to revolutionize energy conscious um, and uh, resource protective technologies. Um, I think it's really incumbent on us to keep that in mind, uh, particularly with the uncertainty as to uh, the amount of natural resources that we have in the area, including developable land and water. Um, and so I think potentially we're going to have to look into incentivizing individuals to um, potentially zeroscape their lawns and everything and using less resources can bring costs down within the city. I think addressing our uh, crumbling infrastructure uh, is going to be a priority. I know it's going to be really expensive, but once again, I'm pretty sure that there is funding out there. Um, that is available to address those concerns. And having not leaky pipes is going to help a lot in terms of lost cost, in terms of having uh, road crews go out and refix the same pipe like seven times uh, in a winter, which is what I've heard from some of the city staff. And so I think some of these preventative measures can actually help become cost-saving measures in the long run. So Anthony, uh, you've mentioned that reducing UTV noise is one of your priorities. And um, you told us, and you also just mentioned here, that the way you propose to do that, um, or one of the ways, is to build a new road that leads directly to Hell's Revenge, which is a very popular UTV road. Um, how do you propose to fund the building and land ownership costs since that project would require the city to purchase the land? 
That would have to be um, some type of fundraising towards all the, the jeeping, UTV, all the tourism-based economy to help do the startup costs of it. And I feel like that's a totally fair you know, thing to ask of all these businesses that seem to not... Some of them are taking good steps to trying to drive more quietly, um, but a lot of them just don't give a crap. And I have called them dozens of times to say, hey, what are you doing about your vehicles driving on the sidewalks? Oh, there's nothing we can do. So that, once again, that's why I'm running. So if they can't, if they are refusing to do anything, then we have to do something. And I feel like making that road, um, there is no private property crossed. I've already looked at, kind of mapped it out. It's just all on BLM, uh, Bureau of Land Management stuff. So we would definitely have to talk to them very closely um, to maybe even starting the funding of it, or not the funding, but the donation of a little bit of it to be able to make the road. And then, like I said, you could put a $25 toll fee on it or whatever for a three-day pass, and literally that is millions of dollars in profit for the city itself, and that can change this whole community like you would not believe. We just have to be brave enough to take the step and have enough courage to say, okay, let's do it. So, thanks. Thanks. Um, Josie, you're outspoken about climate resiliency in Moab. Um, there are many short-term, immediately pressing issues that deserve city funding. So, and this is a similar question to Luke's, um, how would you prioritize funding for the longer-term sustainability projects in the city's budget? Um, thank you for that question. Uh, I, I feel very optimistic um, about creative solutions. Um, I, I get really kind of excited thinking about what that looks like for the city. Uh, and I think with something as sort of existential as um, climate change, you kind of have to think in that uh, realm because it's an extraordinary realm. Um, so I see um, a lot of combining like I said, with the budget question, what's necessary with what's visionary. Um, it's kind of a, it's a permaculture principle to stack functions. Um, and I, I don't want to use a term that's not familiar to people, but that's kind of what I mean uh, in terms of um, paying for the things that are necessary and stacking the visionary things on top of that. So uh, as Luke also kind of alluded to, um, with all of our infrastructure um, that needs that need, needs work in our capital improvement plan. Um, as we do each of those things, uh, we include that green infrastructure. And that really is essential, not only for the um, health of future generations, but also the economic health um, of Moab. So you know, we have to look at the true cost of what uh, kicking the can on climate uh, change looks like and be climate resilient as soon as possible. So, Mike, when we spoke, you mentioned using taxes to pay for um, your projects, which, when you explain them to me, are housing and infrastructure. Um, the city has been relying on sales tax, but during the discussion on property taxes this past summer, the city determined that relying on sales tax is first, unreliable, and second, doesn't create enough revenue for the city to use it for infrastructure projects. So what changes will you make to our current tax laws to allow them to garner more profit for the city while also remaining within the limits of tax laws in the state of Utah. We need to, as we uh, already have uh, lobbyists pointing in directions of 
uh, UTV noise and several other points on our lobbyists. We need those same lobbyists uh, to lobby to use the ability to have our uh, tourism-based taxes, uh, our TRT taxes, uh, kept in the community. Uh, we need to simply keep more of that in the community. If not directly take away from that fund into our community, we need to raise taxes on that side, uh, even creating new taxes on that uh, in any way possible. And we need those lobbyists to do it. Uh, City Council does not have a direct hand in that, but we do have a direct hand in the lobbyists that are trying to approve that. Anything no. else you can go on? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Jason, affordable housing is high on your agenda. The Walnut Lane project is the city's only affordable housing development in the pipeline right now, but it's been slowed down by high, by high construction costs and issues with finding reliable builders. How do you propose the city not only support Walnut Lane, but also expand its budget to, find, to fund more affordable housing projects? Ooh, Walnut Lane, huh? <laughs> you know, Walnut Lane is a great project, and I think Walnut Lane has um, the possibility to, to help a lot of people. Um, I also think that um, the government or city government has kind of slowed down the process of what, what could have happened. I, um, I think that we need to be very careful how we proceed with Walnut Lane. You know, in, in budget talks, you know, they're talking how Walnut Lane is going to be um, in the red for another five or six years, you know, um, once they get things going. Um, that's coming on the backs of the taxpayers of Moab. That's kind of, and that's, we need to figure out if that's fair. We need to figure out if that's right to, to burden the, the rest of the citizens of Moab with this housing process and if they're willing to, to back it. I think there's a lot of great ways that we can, you know, work with a lot of great organizations. The Housing Authority, you know, they, they've been doing amazing things and um, figure out a way to turn this project, maybe turn it over to someone who can run it and can run it well and figure out a way to capitalize on it that we can then. I don't think we need to make money on Walnut Lane. I think we need to provide housing and I think maybe we can use the resources to turn turn that into other projects and that we can keep it going to to help funding housing on the other side but whether or not the city should be involved in housing and be landlords um, I'm not quite sure about if we should do that Thanks. thank you so much to our media partners the Moab Sun News and the Times Independent if you're just tuning in this is KZMU's 2021 candidate roundtable supported by the Grand County League of Women Voters we are here with the five candidates running for two open seats on the Moab City Council. Uh, it looks like we do have time for a listener submitted question, so hopefully candidates are up for it. Um, this one came to us ahead of the event and was submitted to KZMU uh, via email. Uh, this is a general question that we're going to ask of all candidates. Uh, like the rest of the questions tonight, candidates will have 90 seconds to respond. Um, Anthony Charles is up first and Josie Kovash is on deck. Um, so this year, we've heard stories about Moab's local businesses facing high demand for their services, and yet they have difficulty finding and hiring staff. Um, some are shutting their doors more frequently, even during busy weeks. Uh, what do you think the Moab City Council could reasonably do to address workforce shortages and local business retention, especially for the ones that are small, locally owned, and don't necessarily have a corporate structure to help keep them afloat during more difficult times? 
Um, one of the things that I have also been listening about is the uh, the transportation system that we're everybody's been trying to figure out how to implement it. Well, there's people that live in Blanding, Monticello, Green River, you know, Thompson, LaSalle that all commute to here, but they have a hard time getting here when they're only getting paid dirt. So, you know, they got to have a cheaper way to be able to like ride a bus or a, or a, one of the transport vans or whatever, you know, from those places. And that's just bringing people that don't so much have the option because maybe they don't have a vehicle or maybe they don't know anybody that travels here all the time or whatever. So just having that would very much help the community because in other, in those other communities, there's a lot of people there, but there's not nearly enough business. So there's a lot of like people ha traveling to places to work. So if we gave them an easier way to get to wherever they're going, that would be a huge thing. Plus the college is coming in and that's going to be a huge bump in, in workforce as soon as that ever gets done. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thank you, Anthony. Josie, you're up. All right, so I just took a tour in Colorado and this is really happening all over the West. I work for a small local business that is closed two days of the week because we don't have enough staff. Um, and, and this is a serious problem. Um, and I think if you look holistically at all the problems facing Moab, this is adjacent to almost all of them. Obviously housing is an issue um, and probably the top issue that is driving this problem throughout the West because if you don't have housing, then you don't have workforce. So obviously the city um, really has to uh, be committed to proactive uh, housing solutions. Uh, and there are a lot of them, and that's the good news. Um, and then economic diversification is also important um, in this community because it seems that a purely tourism-driven economy, um, and not only that, but a, a, like an extraction-level tourism economy, um, creates a lot of wealth disparity, creates, creates a lot of wage gaps, um, and has decreased the quality of life of most people in Moab while increasing the cost of living significantly. Um, and I've definitely seen that just in the 16 years that I've been here, um, hit levels of a chasm more than I would have ever expected uh, in this community. So uh, we have to look at all of those uh, adjacent issues that are making this a primary issue um, and agreed that small businesses can't just be expected to raise wages when all of these other issues that are affecting this issue um, are not dealt with. Thanks. Got it. Thank you, Josie. Mike, you're up. And candidates, I can repeat the question if you'd like me to. Fire away. Okay. So what do you think the Moab City Council could reasonably do to address workforce shortages and local business retention? especially for the businesses that are small and locally owned? With me, it comes down to, again, like almost everyone here is going to say, it's going to be housing. Uh, the people who have staffing right now, the businesses who have staffing, um, usually have their own housing right now. Um, it is that big of an issue. Uh, it comes down to sheer, uh, sheer numbers. Uh, we have more housing. We have more affordable housing. We have more body count. It, it comes down to people that we don't have in town or the availability to even bring people into town because there's no, no such thing as a housing market. It, I mean, there's only so many houses for sale right now. Uh, it, it really is a housing issue uh, in my eyes, but thank okay. you. Thank you, Mike. Jason? You know, I think this is really a, a kind of a Pandora's box of how to fix and how to how to look at it you know I, i've there's companies in town that are um that are buying up houses in residential neighborhoods and they're 
taking these homes and they're putting 10, 15, 20 people in these homes. And a lot of the neighbors who live around these homes are complaining. They're complaining that the people aren't taking care of the yards, that there's people that there's, there's trash, you know, that they're, they're kind of bringing a lot of these neighbors down. So that's a problem, you know, and that we need to, um, that we need to address, we need to figure out. We have a lot of these companies who, um, you know, I, I work for a company who we, we've been in Moab since, you know, the, the mid sixties and we've been probably housing. We just built a housing, um, a housing facility for 64 employees. Um, we thought it would take us about four years to fill it up. We filled it up in one year. Not everybody can do that, you know, but, but by those that can do it, they provided, they opened up housing for other people. And, um, and I think that we need to get to the point where when these hotels or, or big businesses are coming in, that the burden of housing those employees is not put on the citizens of, of, um, of Moab and Grand County. You know, that these big businesses are part of um, finding the answer to, to these housing issues and, it's, and, you know, working together to, to make it happen and stuff. So. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Luke, uh, you're up. So, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of going to be beating a dead horse here, <laughs> but I think it does come back to housing at the end of it all. Um, I've been on the planning, uh, the city planning commission for the past two years and looking around at what some of the other states are doing. I think it is important to look at some of the emergency measures that can be taken uh, by potentially allowing people to live in uh, campers temporarily. Uh, while we focus on uh, implementing deed restrictions. It kind of goes back to the localizing our housing market, uh, which is going to involve specific carve-outs for residents' uh, occupancy and ownership in a percentage of the new housing units. Um, I think we can also look into incentivizing uh, local homeowners towards developing accessory dwelling units um, that can create a greater housing supply here. Um, and then we do have some pretty large projects that are in the pipeline right now uh, with Walnut Lane, with Arroyo Crossing and everything right that, like that. And so I think kind of finding some of those stopgap measures that can get us to a point when those things uh, come to fruition uh, will really help us along the way. Uh, but at the end of the day, there isn't going to be a single silver bullet that's going to solve this housing issue. Um, I think it's going to take a combination of actions and approaches to holistically address the causes and like symptoms of this problem. But, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, candidates. We are getting very close to the end of our city council candidate event. Um, we are moving on to closing statements. Um, closing statements are typically an opportunity for candidates to clarify or expand upon a point. Um, candidates could also summarize their campaign and why voters should elect them to be a decision maker um, in our town for the next four years. Uh, candidates will have one minute for their closing statement. Uh, we're going to start with Josie Kovash. Mike McCurdy is on deck. Thanks, Molly. Uh, as I said at the top, my name is Josie Kovash. I'm running for city council. Uh, my top three issues are housing and economic diversification, uh, quality of life, maintaining a high quality of life by effectively managing tourism uh, and sustainability and climate resiliency. Um, and I, coming over here, I just found myself taking a really deep breath because I feel like that's what it feels like to live here right now. Um, it has never in my 16 years here felt so difficult and so stressful to live in this community. Um, it used to be quite the opposite. Um, so I just want to take a breath. 
because I think things have gotten really hard for a lot of people living here. Um, but I think that there is a lot of good news. And um, I think that we are not alone. Our issues are happening all over the West. We have a lot of peers uh, working for KZMU. Talking to peers in Colorado um, was the basis of so many of the good things that I did in that job. Um, and I think the city is going in the right direction in a lot of ways, so. Thank you, Jazzy. Yes. Mike, you're up for your closing statement. Again, my name is Mike McCurdy. I'm running for city council. My main issues were housing, uh, budgeting along with taxation, and uh, economic st uh, sustainability uh, in the city. Um, it comes down to, uh, on my part, votes and decisions shouldn't be made across party lines. I know this is a, uh, a nonpartisan race. Uh, a lot of votes and decisions in our current administration go along party lines, and every issue uh, deserves its own due diligence. Uh, we should be looking at each issue separately and voting upon each issue separately. Um, there's going to be a lot of issues that come up, but each one deserves our time looking at it, and I'd like to be that guy that gives it the time. Thank you, Mike. Jason? I've lived in Moab for 24 years. Um, I have three kids who are going through the school system here. They're now in high school and in junior high. And 24 years ago, I, you know, a lot has changed, a lot has stayed the same. 24 years ago, or maybe 19 years ago, I'd be stressing about how to get through the winter, you know, because this time of year, town would be dead and town would be quiet and it'd be, and it'd be quiet. <laughs> but also, um, I didn't have work. And so while there's a lot that has changed in the fact that um, I do have long, more work and a lot of people us do have more work, um, the consequences are the noise and the hustle and bustle of the city. I've had the opportunity to volunteer on a lot of boards, and I think I have a very good idea of how the city works. I have a very good idea of how the county works, and I would love to be Moab's first choice for city council, and because I've come to enjoy this town and love it, and thank you. Thank you, Jason. Luke, you're up. So working for local nonprofits and being on the city planning commission, my entire time in Moab has been about service to the community. In these roles, I've seen firsthand how the challenges negatively impact our residents. However, they've also given me the privilege to see Moab embody what Coretta Scott King once said, that the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. I can confidently say that we're a great community. So even though I hear from so many of our friends and neighbors that are worried about the direction that we're all headed in, I'm also heartened by that those same people recognize that Moab takes care of Moab because no one else will. Um, I believe that the people in this town can come together and achieve the seemingly impossible. I've seen it happen time and time again. Uh, at the end of the day, I remind myself that Moab isn't made up of its buildings, economy, or zoning code. Moab is our people, and that is who I will, or that, this is who I will leverage my experience and knowledge to fight for every day if I earn your vote. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Luke. And Anthony, closing statement. Um, let's see. So before I moved into the house that I was in, the only issue that I was ever dealing with was gout and kidney stones and a $300 electric bill. That was it for the most part. But then I move into this new house that I just built and I, am, I have told the mayor 
in as not like a direct thing, but just like as a kind of a joke type thing that I would board my windows up and move back into the trailer park I was living in because I felt like my life was going to last longer. And I just had a kid. I just had this new house and my wife and this and that. And they, I finally got this far ahead in this town and the uncontrolled UTV pandemic is pushing everyone out. I have lost well over half my clientele. I was a massage therapist for quite a few, or well, since 2013. And people are just saying, I can't handle it. They are pushing us out and all that they're expecting is other businesses to come in without the same rules. So okay. thanks. Thank you. Thank you candidates for participating in this round table. Um, we know that public discourse is not always easy, but it's always important and we thank you. Uh, we will now ask our small live audience for a round of applause for these candidates for bearing with us. Thank you. And listeners, for those of you listening on the radio or streaming us, um, if you missed any of this event or do want to listen later, we will be uploading the recording to our website, kzumu.org, as soon as we can this week. Please keep it tuned to KZUMU. We will be returning after a music break to do this all again with the six candidates running for mayor. So we'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs>